Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Patrick, I'm Rajan, and we are recording this on Thursday evening, which happens to be the Thursday that's just one week from the start of the soon-to-be-virtually-held 2020 NFL Draft. But regardless of the methodology the draft is going to be held in, um, Patrick and I wanted to provide our thoughts on what's going to happen with the number two overall pick held by the Washington Redskins and what the team should do with the regular, um, excuse me, with the regular, with the remainder of their picks, along with a hodgepodge of other items we kind of wanted to talk about since our last podcast. Um, but Patrick, as we've been texting about in recent days, or I should say since pretty much this team decided they weren't going to win more than three games this year, it looks like many of us aboard the Chase Young bandwagon look like we're going to be getting our wish. Yeah, it does. Uh, I, thank you for reminding me that it's Thursday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it snuck yeah, up I, on me. I thought we had another Thursday, to be completely honest with you. I was like, oh, it's two weeks away. And I was like, holy shit, yeah. it's next Thursday? Everything everything sneaks up on us. I think April's just going to be a wash of the month. I um, genuinely, every single day of the week, don't know what day of the week it is because yeah. we live in that road of life. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, at this point, just to get – the speculation and nonsense over with. Um, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Kine has come out and said it. Um, Peter King's kind of lost his mind a little bit, but he's come out and said, like, it's going to be young. Stop trying to drum up anything about, you know, if and but about it. Um, so I'm, I'm genuinely really excited about that. Um, I haven't bought a Redskins jersey in a long time, and I probably still won't, but I am pretty hyped about Chase Young. It's funny, my buddy John, who is very reluctant to buy jerseys of any type, and uh, he was texting me the other day. He said, man, or I can't remember if it was, it was text or Slack or whatever. Shout out to my buddy John. He was just like, man, I might have to buy my kid, one of my kids a Chase Young jersey. And he's like, I'm trying to find a knockoff one, but I should, I got I to gotta get that from one of my kids. And I was like, I, it's one of the rare occasions where I will condone such a purchase. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a Sean Taylor jersey. Uh, and oh, that guy's great. Like, yeah, yeah, and all the other jerseys they have are just like, well, why did I buy this? So if you do it, you might as well draw, uh, draft the rookie that you take in the first round because you're guaranteed at least four, maybe five years before it's terrible. So what are you saying uh, about my Brad Johnson jersey? Who? My Brad Johnson oh, jersey? Yeah. yeah. No, that's a sweet jersey because he, he was a pro bowler. And Loved he took it. us to the playoffs. 99 Brad Johnson was vintage, man. 99 Brad Johnson was vintage. And he wasn't bad in 2000 either. He was 8-5 and five as a starter. And then old Danny boy was like, no, let's get George in here. Okay, George, Jeff. Jeff. George. I know his name is Jeff George, but I like to call him George Jeff. Um, somebody yeah, else used to awful. do that. Yeah. Awful. Um, uh, to corroborate what you were saying earlier, yeah, John Kine basically came out and said everything but, look, it's going to be Chase Young, which is interesting because he's alluded to it a lot, and I'm sure he wants to keep the confidence of his sources and he doesn't want to go blabbing about, like, you know, declaring from the mountaintop because of course also things can change in the 11th hour barring some type of ricky williams godfather offer um to come in but it doesn't look like at the moment that's going to happen i think there are really interesting permutations that are going to take place in the top five which is something i don't know if i mentioned on our agenda but i do think i want to kind of allude to a little bit um it's interesting because for the first few weeks of like February and March, when like the bullshit season really gets started, there was a whole, well, should the Redskins, you know, dip into the quarterback pool? We all knew that was kind of talk radio slash boring ESPN day type of fodder, but that did dominate the talk cycles for a little while. Should they, you know, look into Tua? I can't remember what Tua Tagovailoa, which I can't remember where that originated from. But then more recently, a couple of weeks ago, Jason Lockenfora 
and taking a sidestep. It's funny you mentioned Peter King in the earlier part. I thought for years Peter King has lost his fastball, and I thought he was just a brand. He was just, you know, he was somebody who was great 20 years ago, but he was so out of touch. And last year, I remember looking at his pre-draft information, and I was like, man, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Like, you know, somebody's got to tell Peter King to go, you know, gently sail off into the sunset. And he nailed a bunch of his pre-draft predictions. Like, absolutely nailed it, and like I hadn't seen him in years. So this year when he did that well, column – he seems like a lunatic. He does seem like a lunatic. Um, but uh, when he had his dropped his column a couple of days ago, I paid a little more attention than I usually do because I was like, all right, maybe it was a blip in the matrix, but PK had some, uh, he dropped some fire last year. So maybe it's not a thing. But on the other side, you had Lock and Fora who's coming out and be like, no, nah, the Redskins really want to trade down. They love Isaiah Simmons. And I mean, rightfully so. Isaiah Simmons is a monster and he is great. And he's one of the best three to four prospects in this draft, maybe five at worst. Um, so it made sense. Ron Rivera having a bunch of really awesome linebackers in Carolina. So the logic made a lot of sense. But again, circling this back full circle, um, it looks like it's going to be Chase Young, which is not a bad thing in any way, shape or form. No, I would be. I mean, the only scenario in the draft where I would say trading back, because like, I think that's the, the most smoke I think I've seen. I think the Tua thing has kind of died. In fact, Tua seems to be slipping in general. Oh yeah, uh, because, because we'll of all that. this medical stuff um, that can't be cleared. But um, I mean, I'm all I'm 100% in for drafting Chase Young. What I'm about to say does not change that. However, I know whatever we do, I'll be like, yeah, hell yeah, Ron knows what he's doing. Uh, I'll drink the Kool Aid for at least another year with Ron, um, as long as as long as things are you know competent. But my point is, is like the only other player in the draft that I would be like, sweet if we drafted would be Simmons. Because uh, because that means we would have dra- we would have traded back for it. I don't know who we would trade with Miami, maybe um, you know whoever's right after Miami, like, like the Chargers, Chargers. Maybe I forget who. Chargers, um, then Panthers, then then Cardinals. Yeah. So that anyway, one of those like mid top ten picks would have slipped to us, and I don't think the Giants would take him. In fact, I think the Giants would end up taking Chase Young at that point. Uh, but if we took Simmons and all of a sudden had two a first round pick, another first round pick, and a second round pick. I'd be, I'd talk myself into liking it, but for the record, I'm all in on Chase. Also, we'll talk- I, I want ransom. I want ransom for that second pick. Oh not yeah, like, like I said, it's not- it's got to be it's got to be in Ricky the neighborhood Williams. of RG three slash Ricky Williams type of deal. Like it's got to be two this year and at least a one next year as the starting. Like don't even bother picking up the phone if you're not offering that as a starting price two this year and one next year and the only teams that can offer two this year and one next year jacksonville uh oakland and uh, miami that's it so like i i I, that limits your partners right there yeah i also think if we're being honest about this like it's not only is it going to be chase young i think the the circumstances around the draft make chase young even more uh like it's gonna it's inevitable Right. So like, I'll give you an example. This, I don't know if it was this, I think it was this morning. Um, Ron Rivera's press conference on zoom dropped. Yep. Like if we're on the clock and that shit drops, like just get the pick in. Don't waste time. Don't overthink anything. Just get it in. If it's gotta be the it guy who's got to text it in, then let him text it in, but just yeah. get it in. Someone have Goodell on like speed dial. Did I read correctly that they're going to have like a big chat room where basically they're just going to make their picks in Microsoft Teams? It's like you couldn't even do it. Yeah, it's like that's incredible, man. Like, um, and a lot of people are ripping the NFL for it because like Teams sucks. It Teams sucks a lot. It's like you might as well just do an AOL Instant Messenger at this point, right? Like that's that's one step above that. 
bring back some aims, some away messages. Oh, away messages were like, I, I can't tell you how much time I wasted in college crafting the perfect away message. Oh yeah. Who right? did it? Um, That's where like 50% of my knowledge around movie quotes comes from. As it should. Um, just when I think you couldn't go and do anything possibly stupider. Um, yeah. So the idea obviously of a quarterback, that was never a thing. Um, they, I don't believe a lot of this can talk that they're seriously considering giving the starting job to Kyle Allen. I think they brought him in as a very nice insurance policy. Someone knows the offense. Um, I'm going to talk about this more another day, but I, I don't think Kyle Young is in here. Kyle Young, Kyle Allen is in here to Kyle really Allen. compete. He just knows the offense. And I think Ron Rivera of anyone has to be very cognizant of his limitations. So, um, you know, it's, it's doing Haskins job, but going back, so they're going to kind of at least give that another year, if not slightly longer. So young would make sense there. Uh, one of the things that kind of caught my attention, I think it was like over the last day or so, Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, he's the their NFL draft lead guy over there. I, I like his work. He does a really, really good job. Um, I think he balances a lot of trying to keep inter things interesting in the news, but being very, very, you know, strong in his evaluations and the way he looks at things. Um, he mentioned that, Chase Young, in terms of him ever grading players, and which spans a little over a decade, I think it is, he said Chase Young is in his top five for highest grades ever given to a single player. And he mentioned that Chase Young is right up there in said echelon with Andrew Luck, Vaughn Miller, Patrick Peterson, and Saquon Barkley. Um, so Those guys are good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just a little bit good, although Saquon Barkley jury is still out. I'll, I'll put that out there, but no. Um, my one of my big hot takes before the 18 draft, I think it was, was that Saquon Barkley is not actually good, and we're overrating him. And I'm I'm eating a lot of crow for that one. Yeah, he's he's uh, actually really good. He's actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think your I think your point about uh, what was it Kyle Allen? Is that his name? Yes. Um, starting is like so spot on because like why in the world would we not start doing it? If he sucks, then we need to know, right? Like one of my biggest I don't know, peeves from this past year was how long it took us to start Haskins. Like, I know you and I agreed in the beginning of the year, don't start him. But once we were like, oh, and four, why do we not just say, fuck it and put him in, the, put him in there? And if he sucks, he sucks. If he gets better, he gets better, right? We, we needed to know. Um, but if, if you sit and, you know, all this, I forget who it might actually be, might have been Peter King, actually. Another Peter King shout out. Someone said that uh, they would, wouldn't be surprised if Allen was our week one starter because of everything going around with like coronavirus and, you know, will the season start on time, but you know, Rivera needs someone to win. It's like, dude, no, he doesn't. He's like kind of openly saying we're going to be mediocre. We're just trying to improve. And he's got five years of guaranteed money. He does not need to win right away. He needs to find out what he has. I think that's the most important aspect. Like Haskins is that throw Haskins made against the Jets last year. That didn't count against his body. That was like 60 yards on the rope to McLaurin. I was called back. I don't know if you remember that throw. Mike Bisacco, which that throw, stepped up that the throw, right stool to the left and, and went down. Yeah, that that throw alone is top five talent in the NFL. I'm not saying, by the way, that Haskins is top five. That arm talent, though, is. So you have, to, you have to figure out if you can make him a good quarterback. And if you can, then great. If not, guess what? Trevor Lawrence is hanging out at Clemson, ready to be drafted. Now, that means we'd be really bad. <laughs> Uh, but I'd rather be really bad with Haskins and mediocre with Kyle Allen. 
I was talking to my friends about Trevor Lawrence. We were all joking. I think it was yesterday, the day before on Slack. And we were like, um, so if the NFL season doesn't happen and we have the number two pick again next year, just by process of elimination or just by the fact that we do that, I'm like, yeah, then you're going to hear the name Trevor Lawrence a lot because Cincinnati ain't going to take him after they take Joe Burrow unless they try to ransom the pick or something like that, which would make a lot of sense. But the other point is that, makes sense. Um, is that even if, let's just say, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, people forget Justin Fields at Ohio State is a monster, and I strongly believe that he's going to be the second. He's, it's going to be between him and Lawrence. Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick, but Justin Fields is excellent. He's awesome. Um, yeah, I want – I want to get us back on track here in a second, but I'm going to say one thing about Justin Fields. His like career is kind of nuts to me. This guy, not just him. I'm guessing I'm getting to Jake Fromm. <laughs> it's basically how I'm going to end up getting to this. This guy was number one recruit in the country. Followed. Um, so it was Easton was the number one recruit and quarterback in the country. Comes in, starts. Fromm comes in, takes a job from them after he gets hurt. Easton has a chance for out. Fields comes. Yeah, Fields comes in. He's the number one crew in the country. Sees some playing time. He bounces. How does Jake – like, Georgia wins a national championship if uh, – What's his name? Them. Yeah, well, that. But insert, I think they would have won with Easton. I think they would have won with uh, Fields. Fromm Eason, kind of blew. Eason, they were not too disappointed from everything I read. Uh, Eason, was a, Eason is much more physically gifted than Jake Fromm, and that's why Eason's going to go higher in this draft. Um, the thing I read about Eason, and as an aside, and as a personal shout-out, I'm doing my top 50 uh, big board, and I'm doing my individual breakdowns of all the top 50 players. So I, I've done my work on Eason already, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether Fromm is going to make my top 50. I don't think he is. But Fromm's not that good. Yeah, he's not that good. But the thing I read about Eason is he liked he went to Georgia and he liked to party. Like he fully reveled in that fact that he was the number one recruit in the country. It is Athens. Yeah, exactly. He he liked to tell the SEC girls that don't forget I'm the number one uh, recruit in the country, and he liked to make that fact very well known. And the, the coaches there were not too disappointed to see him leave. And I think he had his existential crisis pretty early on when he left there, and he was like, oh, maybe you know they're not too disappointed to see me leave, or I didn't get the job back as soon as I got in, as soon as I came back from injury. And Jake Fromm went to you know took Georgia to the national title game, and is you know was their three year starter at quarterback, however many years. Um, yeah, Easton's got a howitzer. Like Easton yeah. is strong. He's here. He played. He came here to UW. Yeah, he is so his his arm is awesome, 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 awesome. But like, um, he's a lot of picks though. He's a, he's a, he's got some Jay Cutler tendencies to him. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, I'm cool with Fields. I also want Dwayne to work out. So let's, let's yes, that we'll start there. But like, I uh, it's everyone's like everyone is going to sweat the balls off of Trevor Lawrence, and I'm like as they should. Like I was going back and watching. I was like watching YouTube clips of like Isaiah Simmons, and like there were scenes of or there was plays of. Uh, Clemson on offense. No, I was watching T. Higgins, uh, um, the Clemson wide receiver, and I was Clemson trying to wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to do like my scouting report of him. And every time I'm talking about him, I'm like, Jesus, Lawrence is good. Like this guy can fucking throw. And um, so I just like, kept getting distracted that way. Um, but back on Chase Young. Also, I love there was a clip that Brian Baldinger. This will all come full circle in a second. There was a clip that Brian Baldinger tweeted. It's like a month ago or something like that of the Ohio state Clemson game and like Mel Kuyper and a bunch of other assholes were like, Oh, well, where was Chase Young in the, in the, in, the, in that game in the college football semifinal final or whatever. Right. And they were like, he didn't produce any sex. So he's clearly a terrible pass rusher and he should not be worth a, you know, a top three pick. And like 
Brian Baldinger and his his Baldies tweets or whatever showed how many Baldinger. plays where he was like two inches away from like wrecking shit after being as you said triple teamed. And I'm like, see yeah. if you actually people pay attention, this is the real shit that goes on. Yeah, it's it's a little bit to tie back to the Redskins Redskins fans who focus on fit sacks. Yes, it's a little Preston Smithy, like. He kind of drove me crazy because I always want him to be better than he is. And I, and I wouldn't be shocked if his numbers come down a little bit next year in Green Bay. But, like, the dude's disruptive. Like, he was always around the quarterback. He just had a hard time, you know, getting home. But he, I think he finishes last year with us with, like, seven or eight sacks. In Green Bay, he was a monster. Yeah. And people always were like, oh, I didn't do that in, in D.C. But if you actually look at the uh, – uh, I don't know what the actual pressure statistic is called, uh, percentage of snaps, pressure and quarterback, whatever it is. He was like top five in the NFL. He just couldn't quite get home. So I don't pay attention as much to sacks as I used to. I, obviously, it's, it's a leading metric for a lot of reasons, but it's kind of like wins in baseball. Like, a, a, you know, a pitcher can have a – this might be too much, but like a 1.1 whip, but be five and five. That pitcher should be nine and three. So sacks are man to me. But to the sacks metric, like Chase Young cracked him up in bunches, like in bunches. Oh, yeah. like he had a butt his, ton of his tape. Is, his tape is nuts. It's incredible, right? But like he went stretches of time without getting home, to your point. And it's like, why do you think he did that? Because they triple teamed him. And they realized, especially once Nick Bosa was gone, that like we don't have to focus quite as much on worrying about two sides of people coming down on us because now Chase Young is the one-man wrecking crew. And he still had some absurd amount of sacks last year. So – it's completely ridiculous, and there's the there's a there's an ongoing debate among Redskins fans who are like, okay, so you have the trade down crowd, and they have a valid point in that we need to fill more holes on the team, right? Like there's a bunch of holes, and we'll talk about that a little bit. And I get it. I think it's a very large fallacy to say that if you trade down, you're going to suddenly address all of those holes because it's not that simple. Like you know, what if they draft? An interior lineman. I'm just making this up right now. It's like, did you really fill a hole in that capacity? Like, is left guard really that important that you needed to take somebody there? And the board could have said that you did that. But now you traded down the supposition or under the assumption that you're going to fill a bunch of holes and you use the second pick on the best guy on your board. Did you necessarily make yourself that nice play? Nice background, by the way. Um, uh, especially showing him getting at least double teamed in that capacity. Um Sorry, I just think it, converse, conversely, if you add Chase Young, you're adding strength to strength, like regardless of whether or not the defensive line was overrated last year. And I think in a large part it was, but if you look at the front line, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Chase Young with Ryan Kerrigan as your situational pass rusher is very, very tempting, right? Like that is very, is a very appealing thing that you can work with. Yeah. I think, you know, the, I understand the trade down thing to your point. Like I even said it with Simmons. If we did it, land Simmons and you're like, okay. I like so many people want to talk about this, this pick that I think people are overthinking it. Yes. We like, we don't have blue chip talent. No. Notice, notice I did not say generational. I am not going to call anybody that has not played a snap in the NFL generational talent. We don't have someone that can do what Chase Young can do. Like look at, look at, so you, you mentioned he was compared to Von Miller. He was compared to like Patrick Peterson. Some some I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Barkley because he's a running back, which is unfortunate for him. But like Von Miller totally changes the defense, right? He, he just totally changes the defense. 
defense, changes the defense for the Bears. We don't have anything along those lines. Think about how good Sweat could be if Young is what we think he could be, right? He elevates everybody, and guess what? Our linebackers are not that good. Look, middle linebackers. They're not bad. I actually kind of like our middle linebackers, um, but they're not amazing, and they need help. And if every single person I've ever listened to on a podcast, on our podcast, friends talking, texting, everyone comes back to the same thing. The game is won in the trenches. The game is won in the trenches. If our strength of our team is the uh, defensive line, yeah, it's not sexy. And we actually have a coach who knows what the fuck he's doing. Like, the whole team gets elevated. Think about how good Landon Collins becomes roaming around. He's basically a fourth linebacker. Think about how much less time we have to worry about our safeties covering any ground, period. Think about our corners. Yeah. yeah, think about our corners. Like, this is – it's kind of a frustrating conversation to me because, like, anytime I hear, well, we should trade down to get talent, I'm like, well, we – we don't have talent. We have good players. We need a blue chip player. We don't have a single one. We don't have one on offense. I would argue we don't have one on, de- uh, on offense, and we don't have one on defense. What's like, the stat that goes team, around? Don't, don't overthink. Who's overthink. our last all-pro? Matt Turk. Matt Turk. Right? Matt, Matt Turk, Turk is our last all-pro. And you want to go on. get – we want to go get more of above average to good players when you're passing on all pro talent that's sitting right in front of you. It's, I, I could not be any more lockstep with what you're saying right there. We need game changing presences. We don't have that. We took, we used number 15 on Deron Payne. We used number 17 on, on, uh, on Jonathan Allen. We used, I think it was 26 on Montez Sweat. Good to very good players right now. Jerry's out on Sweat. We still know he could be very bad and he could be really, really good. We don't know. Right. But at least, good to very good good player let's just say average to good but young has i'm like you i don't want to use generational talent but he has an incredible set of talent that is not as frequently coming into the draft as you are would expect to see right or like that you would um see from pass rushers of his ilk and i think the better way to phrase it is that if you say like what is his not absolute floor because he could turn out to be Mike Mamula for all we know at the end of the day. But like, what is at the worst case scenario, worst worst case realistic scenario for him? He's Jadeveon Clowney, and I didn't come up with that comp. I'm crediting uh, whoever did. Somebody else did it. And they're smart. They're smarter than I am. But I'm like, think about it. if you're getting a Jadeveon Clowney to let's say Chandler Jones. People forget Chandler Jones was number two in, the, in sacks last year in the NFL, and is he damn good pass rusher? If he's in that range, that's worth the number two overall pick even if you're not getting Khalil Mack. And I think in many cases, Young goes closer to that. But let's say, again, let's just say Jadeveon Clowney to Chandler Jones type of player, that he's not like this Reggie White presence who's always going to stay with one team. You know, like Reggie White didn't stay with one team his entire career, but like always going to be like a legend like that. Like you're still looking at a game-altering presence. Yeah, which we don't have. Like I think of that, you mentioned the pain pick, and I tweeted this from the Hale District. Uh, account the other day and I, I i actually thought of you when i tweeted it because this is kind of your take not mine we took him i think 13th overall 13 to 15 uh, yeah yeah and derwin james went 17 derwin james is a, derwin james is a game-changing player and people knew that in the draft i forget why he kept dropping but like probably character issues or something stupid and phantom back injury that to this day has never been yeah. proven phantom what back injury f- it is the, it is one of the great mysteries of the last X number of years of drafts, I will never understand. Derwin James was a dog. He was a monster. The fact they got out of the top five was, or top seven or eight picks was startling, let alone the top 15 picks. I will never understand that one. I'll never understand it. Yeah. So 
to put a bow on Chase Young, we're both apparently very adamantly on the same page here. Um, I just – we have a new coach. He's defensive-minded. Del, Del Rio drafted in his first year with the Broncos, Von Miller. His first year with the Panthers before that, he took Julius Peppers. I was going to say Julius right? Peppers was there. Yep. Yeah. So, like, we're taking Young, and if people want to tweet what should we do, et cetera, they can because they're just bored at home and, you know, they're Twitter DMs. It's going to happen. Like, just let it just let it happen. And if it doesn't happen, I'll be kind of pissed. But I'll be okay with it if we take Simmons. Del Rio coach Von Miller as well. That's the thing. Yep. His first year in Carolina, which was a long time ago, the first Peppers. overall pick for them was Peppers. His first year in Denver, their first pick was Von Miller. Yep. And then after that, I think he was in Oakland when they took Khalil Mack, if I'm not mistaken. Was he? I mean, I, I believe be he was. He was that coach, I believe. I could be mistaken. I, I have this in my notes somewhere. Okay. Case in point, defensive-minded coach and Del Rio, dude, we're taking him. And stud pass rusher on top of that. Like, this is the, this yeah. is their, the way they're going to build their defense. You, you can't go wrong with this. And I, I am a big believer of adding strength to strength or adding assets to strength to make your strength even that much better. I mean, we've seen teams, to your point earlier, you're saying about the trenches, you'll, find, you'll hardly find any personal evaluator who would say that after quarterback, the pass rusher might be the second most important player on, in terms of team building. And you're going to pass on that so you could go get yourself another – right tackle like there's some stud tackles in this draft i've come a little bit around on that like they're very very good but i'm sorry they're not in the same quite the same echelon as chase young is but yeah. to kind of segue into other positions in need in the draft um that the redskins could potentially address uh with the remaining picks so the redskins have six other picks it doesn't cleanly fall obviously in rounds two three four five six and seven like we are most of us are familiar with the fact that we traded the 34th overall pick the second pick of the second round to indianapolis in order to move up to get montez sweat last year which leaves the redskins basically with a third two fourths the second fourth coming by a compensational pick i believe for kirk cousins i could be wrong um crowder. was it crowder yeah cousins is two years out Oh, you're right. You're right. That's right. Um, a fifth, which we traded Kyle Allen for, but to your point, as you corrected me earlier, we got the fifth back for Dunbar. Um, so we moved one five, the second pick in this fifth round, and we got the one, whatever Seattle was picking. And then two sevenths. I think one of the sevenths came from the Chase Young deal. Ah, uh, Chase Young. Ch yeah. uh, Case Keenum Chase Young deal. deal. Yeah, damn, you, you confused me too. Yeah. The Case Keenum deal, by the way, low-key was a great trade by Bruce Allen. Yeah, it really was. It was a six for a seven for the rental of Case, Case Keenum. So it's like, all right, whatever. And but, they took his contract. And they, yeah. No, we took his contract because we took it off the Broncos. I think, I literally think we split it. I would bet good money on it. It was like I'm, a bizarrely good trade. Yeah. It was a bizarrely good trade. But nonetheless, we're left with that. I have some thoughts on this. So... Redskins fans have been really going hard on tight end for the third and fourth pick. And I think you and I are kind of aligned in the sense that tight end can be addressed in other ways, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But for me personally, I think in a draft, which I tweeted this out from, I think from my personal account, that there are at least 10 wide receivers that are worthy of top 50 selections this year, at least 10 which would then lend itself with the Redskins at the 66 pick could be very well in the mix for one of those 10 players. Um, on that note, I actually believe I'm going to come out with a, it's not a hot take because I'm not saying something that's contradictory to the public, but one of my, if I was GM type of 
decisions would be I would trade number three, like our third round pick, and I'd trade one of the extra fours and I'd move up into the second round. You can get into like the latter third of the second round and I'd go up and I'd go get one of those wide receivers. Because I think there are some guys who are going to slip out of like the top 50, maybe like 52 to 55 range who would be picked in that range and they may not make it all the way to the third round. Um, but I would go grab and there's a few guys I want to call out who I, I really like, but that's my, that's my first thing. Cause I believe, which I'll also get to that you can definitely address the cornerback pick with, um, the fourth round with one of the fourth rounders, which is something I would do. Cause I think there's a lot of talent yeah. there. I'm pretty sure you could say this about every single team in the NFL. The rounds two through seven are going to be like super intriguing to me. So I'm going to be very upfront. I am not an NFL draft guy. Like I don't sit down and watch it every year. Uh, I used to love it when it was on Saturday and they just ran through the whole thing because I would just put it on, grab beer, and just hang out. I don't really like the way they do it now. Um, but because of this damn quarantine and I have nothing else to look forward to, I'm going to watch every single pick wire for wire. every team, wire to wire. Um, after, by the way, shout out to ESPN for releasing the Last Dance documentary on Sunday. Can't wait. Oh my God, um, it's gonna be so fantastic! Can't wait, can't wait. Uh, but the so my theory with this draft is it's gonna be kind of wild. I think people are gonna be texting on the side. There's gonna be Zoom calls everywhere going around. I think trades are just gonna fly out the window in the middle of these things. So I'm very intrigued to what we do with our draft picks. We have six picks now, right? We have yes. one in the third, two in the fourth, fifth, two and two sevens, and then one, five, two sevens. I fully expect us to walk out of there drafting like eight or nine players. Uh, whether, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I really think we're going to. And I think this comes back to, I think, the trade bait of Trent Williams. I, he gets dealt in the next week. Yeah, um, I didn't consider that I'm, in, when I'm thinking about this, but I, 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 I think it was the KG Skins guy who's really funny. He's got a great Twitter account. But like he, was, he made something. He's like, I would trade Trent for a bag of Doritos at this point. And, and I'm kind of with him. I'm like enough with the saga, just fucking deal him. Get enough yeah, with this. I don't I'm not, think we're going to get, we're not going to get the second. And it's not because people are unwilling. Like this is the thing I think Redskins fans need to recognize the most. It's not because he's not worth a second. He is. No one's going to give him the money. And that's the problem. Um, so I'm like, I think JP Finley tweeted out the hypothetical um, trade that came out from ESPN. It was like, two-fourths and a fifth or two-fourths and a sixth from the Vikings or something. It was three picks. I was like, fuck it, just take it. You know, point being is if we can take – this is where I'm getting to the tight end piece. If we can get those additional assets, I don't care necessarily where they are. I would like them to be third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in that middle middle rounds. Um, we can then take – that's a lot of assets all of a sudden. We can either sit and we can take these players, we can take your wide receivers – um, I know you're like really high in Pittman and a few others. Um, you know, we can, we can bundle those picks to move up into the second. So we don't have to just use ours. We can take those picks and ship them out to make a trade for a tight end, which we'll get into later. I really think that like we have six picks. I bet you we end up with eight or nine players. And I would argue that of those eight or nine, like four of them are original picks of ours. It's going to be a lot of moving, a lot of shuffling. So I'm really, very excited about it. I really wonder how this is going to happen with like, because I, I feel like a lot of these NFL GMs are technological morons and like how they're going to be able to navigate. Well, I guess they can still all call and text each other on the back lines. But Gettleman's like, going to fuck this whole thing up for the Giants. Did you see that photo of the him picture? sitting at his desk with the, with the lotion on his desk? And I'm like, it's so Dave Gettleman. It's just so Dave Gettleman. I'm like, you know, he reached for the, the, 
the have bomb. you seen it side by side with the uh, yes. with the Chargers? GM? With Telesco, oh. and Telesco looks like he actually lives in the 21st century, at least 2010, mm-hmm. at least. And whereas, like, I, I'm I'm half surprised that Dave Gettleman didn't have a lantern on his desk. Like, I'm genuinely am surprised about that. It's that guy is a fucking Neanderthal, and I cannot wait. Yeah. I don't I don't want to spoil too much, but like, I am going to laugh. I'm going to cackle like a maniac when he takes an offensive tackle with the fourth pick. I'm going to cackle like he did, like I did last year when he took Daniel Jones. And I'm like, you are a moron. It's it. Let's just, I was going to save this for later, but let's, let's play it out that the top five picks, you obviously got Joe Burrow one, some all intents and purposes, Chase Young at two. Um, I think, I think that, I think the top five is going to stay static. Like everyone keeps saying Detroit's going to trade out, Detroit's going to trade out. It goes back to kind of what you said a little bit earlier that it's wonderful you think they're going to trade out. That means someone has to trade with you to trade up. And I don't see anyone necessarily moving up to go get three because, or moving up to three to go get someone because I don't know who they're going to go get because who are they going to go? Like who is in the market that badly? That's I not teams, man. I think teams are going to be too scared to trade. At least or they don't want to first round. Second, round. second round, there's going to be a lot of things going on, but I think the first round teams are not going to want to deal with that. So I'm pretty sure Okuda is going to go three, as he should. He is, he is excellent. And then that puts the Giants at fourth, and I know they're going to take one of the offensive tackles and pass on Isaiah Simmons. I genuinely, genuinely believe this because I – That'd be sweet. Dave Gettleman – oh, I don't want to see Isaiah Simmons in the NFC East. I want no part of him here, right? That's, that's RFK, right? That's not FedEx. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank God. Um, for the audio version, Patrick just he's changing his Zoom backgrounds over and over and again. Just to, so it's, uh, it's, it's very um, distracting in a good way. But I do believe that – I really believe Gettleman's going to pass on him, and I think if that happens, he's going to land right to Carolina at seven, and Matt Rule is just going to send him the mother of all thank you baskets for being that much of a moron. And he's going to take some offensive lineman because he's going to use that offensive lineman to justify his picks of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, both of which were dumb picks. It's like tripling down on a bad – on two bad picks that you made earlier. And, and I think Dave Gettleman is that much of a fucking idiot. Yeah, well, he is. Every every player that's ever played for him, I'll say he's an idiot. Yes. Like when, when we're looking for a GM, because of Rivera, I was like, Ooh. Um, but the, I, I'm I'm very. I mean, what's her what's her coach's name? Rivera is very adamant about getting into the second round. He's on he's on record saying he's like one of the best, worst things about us right now is not having that second round pick. It hurts. That's why that's why I think there will be a trade, whether it's in the coming week. Or maybe it's maybe we trade on on draft night, like I, or the right before the second round starts. I think Trent gets shipped before the start of the second round because I think they're going to hoard the picks and then try to move back into the second round. That's my thought. I can't remember if we talked about this in the last podcast. Um, it was I think we did, but to bring it up again, uh, I think the the Redskins Talk podcast guys had the Cleveland beat reporter on there, Mary Kay Cabot. And she threw out the idea of two threes for Trent Young. And the way Redskins fans reacted to the idea of two threes were like, they thought we handed them a a bucket of month old dog shit in exchange for Trent, for Trent Williams. Two threes is the same thing as a second round pick. It's equivalent. Right. But they didn't even look at it. They're like two threes. That's just an unfathomable, like unfathomably low. And I'm like, I would take two threes at that time, let alone at this time. Like I would have taken two threes last year. So just right. get this thing over. Just get this thing over with, right? And it's and it's exactly to your point. It's not that I value Trent Williams at two threes. I'm on record saying multiple times I think Trent Williams is a top three, if not top one, offensive tackle in the NFL. But it's he's just he's priced himself out. He's 
created a lot of ill will. His agent appears to be a moron as well. So like, it's just, it's, it's much more, more about that stuff than it is the product you're getting on the field, let alone someone who's 32 or 33, however many years old he is. Yeah. And you, I mean, to address the, what you said earlier, I'm going to, I'm just going to say hypothetically, let's say we do trade him. Okay. So in this world, in this conversation, Trent Williams gets traded for multiple picks Call it a three and two fours. Right. Just to piss off people listening. I'll take it. Um, I have a train of thought of what to do with those picks and you have a train of thought with those picks. So I'm going to start with you. Yeah. You're so, pretty excited about these receivers. So I'm excited about the receivers in the sense that there's a depth of the receiver position. I completely be honest with you after looking more and more, I'm more excited about cornerbacks at this point in the draft, right? Like if we had, if we had a second round pick, like we still had 34, I would be much more excited about the wide receivers. Cause I think there's some serious quality who would fall there, but there are five guys. And I think I balanced my five, my list of five with who's actually theoretically going to be available at like either 66 or even 108, the third round pick or the fourth round pick, assuming throwing your hypothetical additional picks out the window, right? So five guys who caught my eye, and this is my top five. I'm going to go in order in order of less, least preference to most preference. Um, you tease a little bit, but I'll go ahead and build on it. So KJ Hamler for Penn State. Um, awesome guy, super explosive, uh, big playmaker, fast as hell, big, big time yards out of the catch. Problem is he's 5'9 and 180 pounds, which is tiny. And I don't want to be one of those fans. Smaller, who kind Steve, of, exactly i don't want to be one of those guys who overvalues their own assets but like but steve sims is like all right you don't want to necessarily displace him right away i get the idea you want to create competition and most talent and blah 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 and stuff like that but i'm like all right you should never draft from need so to speak but like you kind of have someone who's already there so i'm not as super duper excited about him um the guy who have a number four Probably my least favorite guy to be on this list, but I think from a talent standpoint, if you're looking at the third or fourth round, you should kick the tires. And it's LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Um, yeah. Objective, I have no idea who this guy is. Objectively speaking, I think the best description for him is that he's chiseled Cordero Patterson. Like, that's the best way. Like, he's not a receiver. He's kind of like a hybrid, like I said, Cordero Patterson or like what we hoped – Devin Hester would become at wide receiver. Like he's an athlete. He's a really, really good athlete. He's big. He's strong. He's, he's six to one, 230 pounds. Uh, surprisingly good at catching the ball in terms of like catch radius, being able to like reel and stuff. That's like outside of the normal range. He's got good hands, but like, he's just really raw. And I, I, I doesn't look like a receiver. It looks like a dude that you just throw it to him and hope for the best, right? Like you throw it to him on a slant pass. That's three yards past the line of scrimmage and just let him kind of do his damage there. Um, Another guy I like, Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Big dude as well, 6'3", 215 pounds, but he's a jump ball guy. He's a big box out, power forward, old school type of player. Yeah, um, but he's, he's, I've, I've looked up this guy a bunch. Um, I have a few friends that went to South Carolina that really liked him, so I looked him up. And I am very high on this guy. I mean, granted, where we draft him will, will matter, but if we take him, I'll be kind of pumped, and I'll tell you why. It's because, yes, he is big, but everything I've read about him, he's actually low-key kind of versatile. He yes. can kind of play the big man slot. He can play on the outside. He can go get the ball. I'd be all in him on this dude, Brian Edwards. And usually what happens is when you have a guy who's 6'3 and 220, he's a little clunky. Like, he's just big and, you know, like, 
he's not very fluid. And I think there's an interesting fluidity to his game that he's, he's able to move. He's able to kind of maneuver his body in a way that like, you know, a lot of people who are that big are not able to. Um, He's not super fast or super twitchy or whatever, but like he's a good receiver. And I think he fits in with like building the basketball team mentality with the, with our receiving group, considering you've got Kelvin Harmon, who's at six, two, who's a possession guy on the underneath, like a Pierre Garcon type of receiver. You got McLaurin, you got Sims and the skill sets they present. I think Edwards is a very nice complimentary piece to all of those. Um, How big did you say he was? 6'3", six, six, three, three, and a couple, about a hamburger, less than 220. So, so he's... So he can add weight. I'm just saying this because if we're taking a mid-round... Especially as you grow up, I mean, yeah. not... Miles Paul was 6'1", 225, and became a tight end. All I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Niles. I love Niles. I love Niles. I, I really did. I was a big Niles Paul fan. Like, I just love the versatility he provided, right? And the guy, the fact that he would just kind of do whatever he needed him to do. I was really sad to see when he left for Jacksonville, and then it didn't work out for him over there. Um, number two, uh, more of his physical asset than more of the player himself, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Um, six feet tall, but... Dude has a wingspan of 81 inches, which is the equivalent on average of someone who stands six foot 10. So that was really interesting to me. Um, I watched him. So as a side, I do freelance writing for some dude who has a University of Oregon blog. So I write a, I've written a ton very randomly about the University of Oregon. It's very strange. Don't ask me how that happened. Um, but Wait, what? yeah, I'm just, it's another story for another day. And uh, so I watched, I ended up watching a lot of Oregon football because I would have to write about it later oh, on. Yeah. And um, Arizona State was the one who defeated Oregon State, excuse me, Oregon first. And as one of their two, ended up being their two losses on the year. And in that game, Brandon Ayuk just ate them for dinner. Like he killed them. He was great. He had two huge plays, if I'm not mistaken, at least one, maybe two. Um, super fast. Thing is that he has some knuckleheaded tendencies from some stuff I was reading where he's a little bit of a diva, but you know, then again, what, what wide receiver is a receiver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But legit four, three guy, um, which I would love the speed dimension that he presents alongside Terry McLaurin, who is also a legit four, uh, four, three guy, but um, UT is my number one guy, but go ahead and rounding it out. Uh, he's an interesting guy because a lot of people are like super low on him, but people I trust and the things I've read, I'm the opposite is Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Um, six, four, two twenty, size, hand, speed yards after the catch. The, the comp that I read, two comps that I read are really, really liked and, and intrigued me. Um, a little bit of diet Mike Evans and another Cortland Sutton from Denver. And I'm like, I can get down with that. Like, that's the type of receiver, again, going from the basketball team mentality of this, uh, of the way we look at our receiving core, like Harmon against 6'2", McLaurin at 6'1", Sims is fucking 5'9". Like, this is how you build some diversity and you build the a way, ability to attack a defense in multiple ways. And Pittman that, should be there in the third or fourth round. Yeah, I've so I don't, you've done more extensive research on this than I have, but uh, something I have noticed and it directly is related to what you just said is like I've read like five different things on him and they're all different. There are there's a uh, lot of conflicting information. A lot I read of one. Like he's going to run in five five flat, and he ran it like four five four, which is for his size very very good at the combine or at some t- recorded workout. Yeah, the so uh, Mark Bullock of the Athletic did a thing on him about like sleeper receivers that may fall to us in the third round. And people have this guy as high as the second round. People have this guy going like late fourth, if uh, not lower. Yeah, I was like, who? But then you look at him and he's a freak. Uh, 
So the other name I would actually throw out there is, and this is more of a, this is more of like definitely a project wide receiver, but his numbers just stand out to me so much every time I look at him is the Liberty kid. Gandy, uh, golden Gandy, Gandy golden, Gandy golden, Antonio Gandy golden. His numbers are nuts. He did 10, at least 10 touchdowns, three consecutive years. Uh, he screams to me as a guy, maybe not that like we take in the fourth round, but if he's around the fifth and the sixth and we you have extra picks, like absolutely you go kick tires on him. Uh, I had the same thought last year about uh, Sammy Cobbs or Simi Cobbs, whatever his name was. And we got him as undrafted free agent. And we got him undrafted. He never quite made it. But those are the type of players that are like kind of freaks. They're playing at schools that, you know, don't traditionally. I mean, Cobbs came from Indiana. Indiana. But like these schools are not like these kids do not go in the top one. It's not Alabama, Florida and and, and that. I'm actually kind of said the other name we haven't mentioned is KJ Hill who is from Ohio State, and he's boys with, with uh, Haskins. And I we don't know left the them story. off. Yeah. Oh, you think he's going earlier? Or no, he I think he's going to go later, and he should. And so that's the thing. So you know well, how, like – My point is, is last year Haskins begged for McLaurin. He may beg for Hill, too. Here's my, here's my reason for I, I deliberately left him off, right? You know how, like um, – I, I'm, this is a really homerific example on my end, but like, you know how if there are two players who are like similar or like one play, player A from one situation was really, really good and everyone assumes player B who was put in a similar situation is going to be just as good as player A, even if they're very different players. Like, I'll give you... Sounds like, like Moss and Brandon, uh, Brandon Lloyd. <laughs> that could be one or my favorite example, like when I, I was at Tech when Michael Vick was there, right? And um, if there was going to when when uh, there's so many rumors I remember when Vic was a, had his foot out the door and it was on his way to the 2001 NFL draft and everyone was like man you think Michael is good wait till you see Marcus Vic and I was just like I, even at 2000 and 2001 how that many years ago I was like you really think you have that level of god-given talent in two different people in the same family that when Michael Vic had like it was not hard to see that the dude was just fucking miraculous in terms of his physical tools and Marcus Vick was good from an athlete standpoint he was a world-class shithead like let us not make any if ands or buts about it. he was an awful awful human being from the day he arrived at tech but like even just to say like yeah and in a vacuum was a four five one type of runner he had a decent arm he was you know he was athletic yada yada so forth but to say that he's Michael Vick like is ridiculous and where I'm going with this is that everyone is kind of comparing KJ Hill to Terry McLaurin and they're not the same player like Hill is smaller. Hill's a four six forty guy. Hill doesn't have the same vertical, the same stats. He doesn't have the same um, like measurables. It's just oh, he's the next receiver from Ohio State. He's probably going to be Terry McLaurin, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Like I, I hope he does well. Good for him. Um, but I, I think people are kind of extrapolating too much because of Terry McLaurin's success. Yeah, I think I think people are drawn to it though because of where McLaurin was drafted. Yes. Third round pick. It's an apple and orange. Comparison. We draft them for totally. special teams. You know, I, I do think the name is worth mentioning because, from what I understand, Haskins was all in telling everyone draft McLaurin, draft McLaurin. Now, granted, fingers crossed, we made that decision on our own. Um, but I would not be surprised to see Haskins pushing Hill pretty hard. Um, and. and Everyone knows we want playmakers around Dwayne, so if they believe him, who knows? The way you phrase it, I think, puts it best. The way you phrase it with Gandy Golden is that if he's there at five, go for it. Take it. I, I'm yeah. all about doing that, right? But not at three and, and not even the four, the early four. Like, let's just say yeah. we kept the six after the first round pick. Uh, no, not not with one, the early third or the early fourth round pick. But those are 
um, those are the those those are the guys I think that will realistically be there. If some of the receivers that are like plotted to go earlier um, happen to fall to the third round for whatever reason, then by all means, like we should go and try to grab one of them. But yeah, in terms of who's actually available, like that's that's kind of my hit list. Um, cornerback to your end, I think is even more fun. Like I think there's some serious serious talent there, and um, you know there's three guys. So I, I identified five very similarly um, to that. Like. I'm just going to go in and these are guys who I think you can get in either one of the fourth round picks. I, I genuinely believe that. So I won't spend too much time on them, but um, five is Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi state. He's a long corner. He's like, he's six, two. Um, he's athletic as hell. He's just really, really raw. And um, I mean, he's, but you play the sec. I always love that level of talent where you're coming out of there. And like I said, physical tools and again, standing six, two as a cornerback, but, like I said, raw is tartar. It's going to take a lot of development. So, um, you know, that's that. Darnay Holmes from UCLA. So another UCLA dude joining Fabian Moreau, theoretically speaking. Um, he's a little more the opposite, like graduating two years. He's a feisty player. I think he was banged up a little bit while he was there, but he's another athletic dude who would very much be there in the fourth round. Bucky Brooks on the Move the Sticks NFL podcast called him a hidden gem or one of his five hidden gems in this draft. So, you know, that's something to be kind of to kind of keep an eye on your um as far as his profile. But the three guys who I really, really dig. Um, one is Amick Robertson from Louisiana Tech. 5'9, 175 pounds, biggest shit talker you'll ever see in your life. And he is the little dog who will bite everybody's ankles, but like take them down at the same time. Like he plays so much bigger than his size. He's fearless just takes no shit from anybody. And like, he was a consistently a good player. Like he stood out. I don't think it's a senior bowl. I don't want to say that, but like just everywhere he's been, everyone's like, that dude can play. I don't care how small he is, but like he'll yap at you, but he'll back it up. He's fearless. He will throw his body everywhere. I love those types of players where you're like, you know, ain't the size of the dog in the fight. Like, I just love that. And he's going to fall because of that lack of size. Um, and he's got a pretty good history in terms of not being injured, but love that dude. Um, so we'd love to see him, especially if we get like in the fifth round or something. That'd be amazing. Two, no Benogany, fun last name to say, from Auburn. Um, off the charts, physical tools. He's fast as hell. Came to Auburn as a wide receiver. Only played two years uh, as corner. They loved him there. Gus Malzahn gushed about him from a personality standpoint. I think he's like 5'11 or 6 feet tall. Legit 4'3 guy. And everyone's like, he's a three-year project. Reminds you a little bit of Bashad Breland in the way that like he's he's probably coming out a little too early right. but it was time to come out and um they know like three years from now he could be a really really good player um like him a lot and i think it was early for like, like two months ago there was first round buzz on him but i do think he's gonna fall into day three just because they're like well he's only played corner for two years um but i would love to try to snag someone like that um number one i'm gonna go just go ahead and tee you up on this one but um uh, shout out to our, our friend of the blog, our friend of the pod as well, um, Burgundy blog, Brent over there, um, Bryce Hall from UVA. Um, he's one of those guys I genuinely believe that if he didn't have the ankle season ending ankle injury, we're talking top 50 pick for him. And I think because the ankle injury, people are going to overthink this shit, especially because they can't do medicals like we've been talking about with a little bit with Tua. Um, but everything else you want to ask for, team captain, ball hawk. Uh, you know, physical player size he's got everything that you want in, in um again I, I just the best way to put it that if it wasn't for an ankle injury which i think people are going to overblow because they can't really go poke and prod at it he's, a, he's he would have been a top 50 pick and i genuinely believe he will be there at like 66 when we pick and i would be 
ecstatic. And the one final bow I'll put on him is that Kyle Smith cut his teeth scouting in the, in the Virginia all the way down to like Alabama range. And that's kind of this real sweet spot for looking at players from that general vicinity. We know he's taken a bunch of players from Virginia Tech and just the, you know, people who come out of the Tidewater in general. And, um, you know, adding him would, would make a lot of sense. And I, it is very, it's very possible. Yeah, I'm, I, I'll get to Hall in a second because I love Bryce Hall. He's, that's, that's my UVA homerism um, coming out to a T. But of the five you mentioned, I didn't know a lot about Dantzler or Holmes um, from when you sent over. So I'm just going to leave them be. They're the five and four. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. How did you pronounce his name? Noah Igbenogany. Igbenogany from yeah. Auburn. Um, you know, I've, uh, I know him a little bit, right? He streams to me. So fun fact, the last Redskins jersey I bought was Brashad Breland. So I was kind of hopeful he came back. I know that. And yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great jersey. I wore it one game, and Antonio Brown twerked all over him on a Monday Night Football yes, game. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, Poor Bree. Yeah, tough one. He's got a Super Bowl ring, though, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Noah, from what I understand, is just kind of a physical freak, and he's super strong. Super strong. Um, yeah, so – you know, I know he's like not a number one guy. He's probably not, not even. Yet. Um, I wouldn't trust him saying like man-to-man coverage. I, I'm curious. Are we going to play? I don't know much about Del Rio's defense. If we're going to not from a secondary standpoint, I'm not, not too much aware as well. Um, but someone with the like that's physical like that and big and strong like he is, um, I feel like he could play in zone like really well because you know you get up, you pressure him, you knock him off the route gives you time to get to the quarterback quickly. Uh, and then the other guy, your boy from Louisiana Tech, uh, Amer- is it Amerik? Is that his name? Amik uh, Robinson. Amik, yeah, yeah Amik Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I So this is really random, but uh, my brother actually tipped me off about this guy. Um, Fascinating. He's, yeah, it's, it's random. This guy, he's Fred Smoot. He, um, there's a lot of that. Smoot's a little yeah, bit. He's Fred right? Smoot. But there's a lot yeah. of that. Uh, which hey, if we draft Fred Smith again, I'm all in. Mouth of the south. Um, yeah, yeah, loved. I love Fred Smith. Uh, so I'm cool with him. Although I, he's so small, he's, he's like five small. eight. Yes, he's legit um, five eight and 185 pounds. Yeah, which is problematic because the NFL switched to big corners. Um, you know, the Seahawks team that won the Super Bowl really brought that to light. They had big physical Sherman corners. Brown, ever, all those guys. Yeah, now everyone everyone wants big physical corners, which is Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall is six one. I mean, he's he's long. He's a big dude. Six one two oh two is the official listing. That's a, yeah. So he's he's a big guy. And so like, I don't talk about my Virginia homerism as much on here. But make make no mistake. Like I watch every UVA football game, every UVA basketball game. Love love the school, even though I didn't go there. Um, they beat the Hokies this year. Uh, no, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Bryce Hall would have been – I don't even think he would have been top 50. I think he would have been a bona fide first-round pick had he not broken his leg uh, against Miami. Yeah, so, like, the thing, the, thing about, um, the thing that sucks about him breaking his leg is, you know, you talk about him being a team captain, et cetera. This is a dude who knew he was going to be a top 50 pick but still wanted to be on special teams. He didn't – he wasn't put on special teams. He asked to be on special teams. This dude – I don't – if there's any drawback – from Hall, he's not like if you line him up, he's never going to be in the slot. Always be on the outside. He's too big for the slot anyway. He doesn't have direct speed. Remember how Norman would just get torched on go routes. Hall's a little bit similar. 
um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't trust him in man-to-man coverage unless you knew you had a free safety who could cover a lot of ground, which we don't, but we, which we don't. Um, but having said that, like he's a terrific corner and he gets his hands on the ball. He's a ball hawk to your point. He is, uh, he's like very quick in and out. He's very good hips, moves in and out. He led the nation in past the breakups last year. He was leading the nation this year with past breakups before he got hurt and didn't have a lot of picks, but very rarely got tested. And when he did get tested, he was always there breaking up passes. So like if he's there in the fourth round, I am running the card in because a, we need depth there. We need help there. And we don't have a corner that's big like him. Yeah. Um, and we need him. Uh, Moreau's got a little up. bit of size, but he doesn't always play with it. What, what's your favorite thing? Uh, looks like Tarzan plays like game. <laughs> I don't think he's quite that bad, Moreau. I would happily go to there if he was, but Moreau ain't that bad. Um, uh, Moreau, that was David Emerson if we're talking about that. Oh, yeah, Emerson sucked. Yeah. What an awful pick. Also, uh, I hate Ronald Darby. I did not like that signing at all. Let's put that out there. He's $4 million on a year. Yeah. Um, not kind of whatever. Um, so, to, your, to my original point, don't know too much about the corners. And, I, again, I don't study the draft like, like you do. Uh, but I, I am kind of excited about Robertson just to see where he goes because he's kind of a dog, to your point. Uh, I think Bryce Hall will go sooner than the fourth round. Wouldn't be surprised. And whoever does what I've seen him to do so. Yeah, I've seen him mocked legitimately in the first round all the way to the fifth round. It's the injury. And it, I genuinely believe I'm like, that if, if you could poke and prod, as I said, the medicals, I do believe he would go in the top 50 still. Like, I, I think so, because teams would look at all the body of work and all of those things, as well as the size that, you, that we mentioned, and say, like, okay, we can get over the fact that it's an ankle injury or a leg, like lower leg or whatever it is, right? Um, but I think, as, as we said, like, um, that because of that uncertainty, I think that's going to drop him down a little bit. Two points to wrap up on, or two points to add on to the stuff you mentioned. Um, I think Hall has, in the in the circumstances that he's available, would have lots of intrigue for the Redskins in particular. I think he's the, I think he's the safest of the five. In addition, because I think if, and I'm not I'm questioning him. I'm saying I'm saying the safest. That if Ron Rivera is really about the culture builder. Hall is right up that alley. And you know it's going to take a lot for me to say nice things about UVA players. It will take a hell of a lot for me to say nice things about UVA players. But, um, you know, he, he's, he fits that to a T, and I would be very happy to welcome him here. Um, he ain't going to be Morgan Moses, let's put it that way. Uh, oh, dude, I'm a UVA guy. Moses fucking sucks. He's so bad. No, Hall, Hall is a, be one of those guys where, like, that's, that's, that's a, my guy on – late day three, early day four, and you, you really hope to zero in on him. But finishing off the Robertson, um, pro football focus actually ranked him as the best cornerback, the best cornerback in this draft in situations of single coverage and against clean pocket throws made by the opposing quarterback. And Amic Robertson was the best. And you're talking about dude that's five, nine and uh, excuse me, five, eight and under 190 pounds, but sub four five. And like I said, when you watch him play, like it's real grainy because it's Louisiana tech and like, you know, they're going to have this amazing TV coverage over there, but like, he's just launching himself. And he reminds me another dude that I think we talked about in our last pod, but I loved him coming out of school was Carl Joseph from um, West Virginia. And he loved him. God, I love that guy. And I was so disappointed to see him, one, fail in Oakland, and two, not come to the Redskins and try to resurrect himself over here because there was like a rumor for a second. But uh, he reminds me a lot of him. I just love those guys who have, no, who have no regard for their body and just fucking launch themselves and play like a, like a like they're shot out of a cannon. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I, you, you do really like that guy. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry that rumor never, never came true. It, it, it was a little heartbreak. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I still like that guy. I think he signed in Cleveland, and I was like, all right, well, that's where you know dreams go to die. Even now, um, I, uh, I buy the OBJ rumors. By the way, as a quick a, a tangent, like I don't know if you do saw you? them. Like oh, I do. I really do. I, I think Stefanski would would be very happy to clean to clean the, the locker room of it. I do believe that because the last thing you want is that uh, you want that knuckleheadedness in the locker. And I think he like Jarvis Landry's knucklehead, but Jarvis Landry will work his ass off and you can kind of deal with it. But I can't remember if this is basketball who said this or somebody in basketball or somebody in the NFL is like the worst thing to do in a locker room with one knucklehead is give him another knucklehead friend. And I think that's what OBJ is to Jarvis Landry. It's like a knuckler. Yeah. I mean, well, they're also they're also best friends, so they probably don't, you know, they probably don't care that much. They're probably just hanging out, collecting checks, and just being like, well, "We fucking went from being best friends and top of the world in Baton Rouge to best friends in fucking Cleveland." Yeah, well, and you know, Baker ain't leading anyone to anything. And I'm like, I'm not going to overreact to one year, but Baker definitely drank his. Drank a lot of his own Kool-Aid, emphasis on full sugar, full syrup Kool-Aid all year long last year because dude was fat and dude didn't play well. Yeah. Um, so we talked a lot, or I should say I talked a lot in, just because I talk a lot in general, and um, about uh, the receivers in the cornerback position. Um, you alluded to tight end, and I'll let you tee this one up. It, I think I tweeted it from the Hill to the District account today, but one name that propped up courtesy of former NFL general manager Mike Lombardi um, was O.J. Howard of the, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and his potential availability, which, by the way, is the worst kept secret of anyone. Like, Bruce Arians hates tight ends, and the fact that he would that O.J. Howard would be available should shock literally no one. And as someone who had an on and off affair with O.J. Howard on my fantasy football team last year, I'm very well aware of his productivity or complete lack thereof in that offense. Yeah. So where you went and did a lot of deep dive info on cornerbacks and, and receivers, tight ends are something I've been like very intrigued by because I am one of the people. So Julie Donaldson came out and tweeted out saying, we're going to draft the best player available no matter what, which – by the way, we should have been doing for years anyway, but yes. glad to hear we're finally doing it. Um, so what happens with that, though, is that gets back to your receiver point because it is such a rece- deep receiver point – or draft, excuse me. I do expect us to take a receiver in the third, uh, fourth. Like, it's just such a deep position as draft. If we are truly taking best player available, we're going to take receivers. Which leads to my point of I, – I came into, I would say, probably two weeks ago even probably even today that I was kind of in the camp that we were going to draft at least two tight ends um, because Scott Turner just keeps talking about how important the tight end position is to our offense, similar to what he's been doing. Yeah. Similar to what he's been doing with the running back position. And all of a sudden we kind of went all, we went all in on the running back position. We had Kissick. We're trying to get everyone else healthy. I don't think Bryce Love's ever going to play football again. That's a whole other conversation. Another time. Hot take. Hot take. I really, I, I think something's wrong, but I, I have no substantial evidence for that. I just like something's got to be wrong. I'm not selling uh, my stock on Bryce Love quite as fast as you are. I, your dad I, is a doctor, and my dad and my dad's not so. <laughs> okay, true, but I yeah, I'm I'm worried about Bryce Love, but we can talk about that later. My point is, is like the tight end position is critical to us, so that's why I kept bringing up the trade of Trent Williams. 
um, earlier in the OJ Howard thing, because like we've been linked to a lot of tight ends. We've been linked to uh, uh, the Hopkins kid from Purdue, Pinkney from Vanderbilt. The one I keep seeing is Adam Troutman from uh, Dayton coming in at 66, I think, our overall pick in the third round. His name has popped up a lot. Yeah, like he is almost always mocked to us. I don't care who you are. It's Ben Standing, who, by the way, always wins most accurate uh, mock draft. Shout all out the way to Ben Standing, to, he does. Yeah, all the way out to, to, to us, right? This guy has just been linked to us left and right. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has taken. The problem is, is then you have just, you know, shout out to your Hokies. You have Logan Thomas, who, you know, has the capabilities but hasn't done anything. You have, uh, I don't even remember the guy's name from Green Bay that we signed. Um, what the hell is that guy's name? We signed so many no-name free agents. I can't remember all the names. The other tight end, we, we the other tight end we signed. My 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 worry is if it's that important and you really want Dwayne to succeed, then we need to figure out a way to upgrade talent there, and that's where OJ Howard comes in. Trade Trent before him. Get those picks. You don't need a second round for Trent to do this. Take two force and flip them over to. Tampa for uh, for OJ Howard. OJ Howard, yeah, his production wasn't awesome, but this guy, he's a Bama kid, isn't he? Yes. He's a first round. He's a first round draft pick. He just fell out of favor for a, for a coach who doesn't like tight ends to begin with. We need them. This makes too the timings right. Both teams need what we have. Like this makes way too much sense not to do. Um, it, there was a Lombardi posted this report or something where like, oh, Howard's issues are like between the ears. I'm like, I don't know if he has instinctual bullshit, bullshit. That's that is a that is a coach who doesn't know how to use him or doesn't want to know how to use him smearing with that report or some personnel guy who doesn't know what he's doing with them. Oh, if in that draft, I can't remember which one it is. I want to say it's like seven, seven, 2017. If OJ Howard was a top 12 pick, nobody would have batted their eyes, right? Not one eyelash would have been batted. And I think he fell to like 17 or 18 or 19 in that range. Everyone universally acknowledged that the Buccaneers got to steal with that. He is still a monster athlete. And now we're all of a sudden writing him off. This just smells bad. Right. And like I said, so, I, I love Bruce Arians, another Hokie. Um, I love Bruce Arians as a coach. He has no sure. idea what he's doing as tight ends. Well, I mean, and that's to our advantage, though. Like, let's make yes. this deal. It's literally everyone in the NFL says the same things. Deadlines do deals. Dude, the deadline to make a deal is like now. We need to go and do this. Get him in there and then take like Thaddeus Moss, Thaddeus Moss in like the sixth or seventh round. Uh and just load up on these tight ends and figure out and let them figure out who's going to, who's going to be on the team. Right. You want Rivera keeps talking about competition, competition, competition. All of a sudden you have four guys vying. Cause like Thomas and I, I can't remember the other guy we signed his name. Richard uh, Rogers just looked it up. Richard Rogers. Okay. Yes. Richard Rogers. They're competing for a roster spot. Moss isn't guaranteed anything because of where we took them. The only person really not well, I'll say he's a little bit of a roster lock would be uh, would be Howard, but at that point he's been traded. He's on a new team. He's got to prove himself. Not to mention he's coming up at the end of his rookie contract, and we would have that fifth year option. So if he wants a long term deal, now's the time to get it. It makes way too much sense. Um, like I feel like I should call up Kyle Smith right now and be like, dude, if you want the GM title, this is what you got to do. Like just do it, right? Yeah, it's it's, I, it's one of those things. I think what you're saying in the in another way of putting it, it's like don't overthink this. Like, don't oh. overthink this. Like, this is a little too obvious, and a bunch of people are just completely missing the forest from the trees. Yeah, I name, compl- another, name another team in the NFL that needs a tight end like we do. As badly as we do. No, I can't think of any off the top of my head, to be honest with you. I think, as we've alluded to in previous podcasts, like, we could be 
among the worst, if not the worst, um, as, as in terms of the pass catching position. Um, O.G. Howard was the 19th pick of the 2017 NFL draft, by the way. So that means 18, 19. So this would be his third year? Yeah. Uh, which means he would have two years before – or do you have to pick up the fifth-year option before the f- fourth year? They usually – no, you don't have to. You can pick – I think you can anticipate the fifth-year option. They just do it, I think, from a security perspective, like a like just a certainty perspective, but they do it before the fourth year. But I believe you can – or maybe you do have to do it because then you – the fifth year automatically kicks in. I don't know. Well, regardless, you get a starting tight end for three and a half million dollars a year, four million, whatever, whatever the nineteenth overall pick gets you. And that's a really underrated fact that you've gotten someone to develop at that cheap price. And that's the one thing where I got into it back and forth with one uh, somebody who tweeted our account. They're like, you know, the Redskins are being stupid and they shouldn't, you know free agency didn't cost that much. And I'm like, bro, Austin Hooper cost you $11 million. Like he's going to count $11 million per year against the cap for Cleveland. And he's not a top eight tight end of the NFL. You're paying him $11 million. Like that's why I was not, I was not the slightest bit heartbroken when the Redskins didn't go, you know, spendy pants in free agency. Cause I'm like, the prices are just outrageous. Yeah. I actually, uh, the Hooper thing is one of the reasons I'm so confident in Kyle Smith. You and I have already talked about this. I mean, if you go back to podcasts like a year ago, we were kind of like, Kyle Smith seems like a pretty good GM. That is what he's doing. We were kind of – because at that point, was like, Lewis Riddick, is it going to be so-and-so? We were kind of already in the Smith. Rivera came out and said once it got to – I think it was on Kime's podcast, or maybe it was just Kime saying it in general. Once it got to $8 million, we were like, nope, not going to pay that kind of money. We are out. So we were never really in in the Hooper sweepstakes. That alone made me believe in the front office because I was like, we would have – previous regimes would have just thrown money at him and just said, come play here, we need a tight end, yada, yada, yada. Um, so here's my draft plan because I know we've been talking for a long time. Take Chase Young, check. I, I get a trade done with Trent ASAP, and I'm talking let's get two, three picks. I'm not asking for a second. I'm asking for a couple thirds, a couple fourths. You know, just give me two to three picks. I'll let you handle the middle rounds as, as, G, as GM with, with the receivers and corners. And then I'm taking some picks and I'm saying, hey, Bruce Arians, for the record, not Other Bruce. You must not be not Bruce if her. Uh, You know, here's a fourth and a fifth for, for Howard because no one's going to no offer much more than that. You know, no one's going to offer more than that one. What you get, you get six, seven new new players in house that are that are rookies. You get the best player in the draft, and you get a starting caliber tight end. And all of a sudden, in literally three days, our team went from three wins to probably five. I even think so, I'm usually the pessimist, and I even think you're being pessimistic on that. Like saying that those types of moves jump you from three to five, because to your as you said, and rightfully so, that if. If, uh, if Scott Turner has some tight ends to work with, like think about how much better the receiving core looks like with Terry McLaurin and OJ Howard than it does with just Terry McLaurin. I mean, think, I mean, that, the scary part about that to me is you could say the same thing if Jay Gruden's our coach. If Reed, if Reed said help, yeah. our team would have been totally different. Yeah. Right. But you at least are not getting someone who loved Jordan Reed. And I don't mean to speak disparagingly of him, but his brain is scrambled eggs at this point. Right. Like it's just gotta oh, be yeah. like just by sheer medical virtue. Right. Um, yeah, 
the sixth and seventh round picks are just whatever at this point. I am much more of like the, the value of the draft in many, in many years, just like this one is really between two, three, four, and maybe the early part of five. And then after the middle of five, it's basically just you're finding, you're scouting diamonds in the rough who might have a good potential to fit in with whatever your present scheme is or have built some relationship with some scout at some point in time. Or the coaches speak highly of someone who they have a good relationship with. But like two, three, and four, and five, early five is where you're finding the real value and you're, scout, you're really, really scouting players. On the rare exceptions, you know, they'll, they'll trickle into six and seven. If like Tom Brady type guys, although I don't think anyone realized what Brady was going to be. Um, so Brady those are six round pick, 199 overall. Is that right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, the but goat. I, I I firmly believe I I don't believe in drafting for need. I actually don't. I do believe that you take the best player available unless it's quarterback because that just creates a mess. Um, but I think they have to walk out with the receiver and cornerback in this draft just because um, they're so, it's so the positions are so bad right now, or it's so scary right now in terms of what we have there. And for the record, again, just to reiterate, I know I said it before, but I really hate Ronald Darby and I hate that signing. Yeah, you're really against that signing. You, do you hate that one more or uh, what's his name? Davis, the free safety. Oh. If you now look at it with a couple of the moves we made earlier, Sean Davis, I've like completely cooled off on because I, I really hated, really, really hated the Ronald Darby one, but the Peyton Barber, like... the Peyton Barber one, I have, I, I, I Oh, I forgot we signed him. Yeah. Not I, him. that guy sucks. Like S U C X sucks, right? Like he's fucking terrible. And I, I used to love making fun of him in Tampa. I was just, I was shouted at Tampa Bay at, at the, at Bruce Arians. And I was like, give the fucking ball to Ronald Jones. He's so much better than Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber is captain 2.8 yards per, per carry. And, and we signed him. I hate Peyton Barber. That guy is Dude, trash. It, it goes back. I, something is wrong with Bryce Love. I, I'm hard pressed to disagree with you. I don't, I don't have any substance, substantial evidence behind Based this. on the evidence. Zero. 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 Based on the I evidence am, of this, signing McKissick and Barber and guys like that. Yeah, that between like he had another random surgery mid-year that just like all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, we're just cleaning up his knee. I was like, dudes. We, See, I attributed that one to the Bruce Allen medical plan, right? Of like, hey, you want some staph infection? I can give you some of that, right? Well, it probably adds to it. It's probably part of the reason. Yeah, um, we drafted we drafted a stud, put him in a terrible situation, probably made it worse, and you know, like I just I don't know, I, I, something is wrong, and it's freaking me out. I really want Bryce Love to be terrific because he was so good at Stanford. Uh, he was great at Stanford, undersized, but, but great. Like, and I understand the idea of bringing in running backs for depth because it's a position where you just need depth, but we didn't. I mean, McKissick and Barber were not brought in to pre- play from the preseason. They got real contracts. Like, that's, and that's the dollars. other part that I really hate, right? Like, McKissick, yeah, I got it. Like, McKissick, like, you were trying to find Chris Thompson's replacement. I like Chris Thompson a lot, but I think injuries, as we mentioned in the last pod, sapped him way too much. So I can, I can live with the McKissick signing. There's a plan. There's an idea. I, I just cannot understand, outside of there's something seriously wrong with, wrong with Bryce Love, the, the Peyton Barber one – I'm going to hate that guy. Something, something's wrong. I don't think it's, I don't, my, I'm, it's a little bit of elimination. AP's a freak. He'll be, he'll be there. 
uh, Geis obviously, well, I forget what he did. He sprain his MCL at the end of the year. He didn't tear anything, but he like. No, I think it was like a sprained MCL. That sounds good. Yeah, right. yeah, but he's outside of you know his bizarre social media presence appears to be training with Dwayne. Like he seems to be fine, ready to go. And if he can stay healthy, we saw what he could do when he's healthy. He's a freak. Uh, there is not a lick of information about Bryce Love anywhere. Nothing. Nothing. Squeaky clean. Uh, the only lick of information I can tell you about Bryce Love is that Bryce Love watched a, one, a mid-November to December game from the suite. He didn't even dress at FedEx Field because a former colleague of mine watched the game in the suite with Bryce Love. So that's the only yeah. information I can tell you about Bryce Love. I know he gave an interview to Redskins.com and then, you know, but none of it was really about football. It was about like being drafted and, you know, going through rehab. And it was a bizarre, kind of bizarre. No question was asked is like, what are you going to do when you get to the field? You're like, you know, when do you think, what are your expectations for the coming season? Like none of those questions were asked. And I was, I, I don't know. I just think something's wrong. I'm, I'm also, if you read my last post in my head by quarantine day 40, too many drinks. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. So who knows? I'm telling you, man, one of the only industries that's doing really, really well amidst all of this is the booze industry. Cause uh, ain't nobody oh, else man, anything my to do. Booze, my, my booze intake is skyrocketing or not is, I mean, it, it's there. Right. Um, Drizzly, Drizzly take all my money. Yeah. Uh, by the way, guys did suffer a sprained MCL. Um, so you're accurate on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dude, I'm telling you, something's wrong. Like I said, from an evidence standpoint, I hope you're wrong. I'm still not selling my stock on Bryce Love yet, but it, it, everything doesn't add up, and there's there's something there. Um, but yeah, Ronald Darby, I really hate the signing, but not as much as I hate the Peyton Barber signing. That one, that's probably right up there with my most hated Redskins signing in recent years, probably since Mark Sanchez. I really hated that one, but I just hated Mark Sanchez. So we were six and four when we signed Mark Sanchez, six and three. Did we sign him right after San, uh, Smith got hurt? Or did we wait? A couple games after that. I just remember that. I remember when he started against the Giants. Wolf. <laughs> I used to love ripping on Sanchez and the butt fumble and stuff like that. And then he came here and I'm like, good God almighty. Like this guy is a member of my team. And yeah, I, I, I despised him. Um, I think Darby's kind of a bum and I just, I, I don't think he can play. And worse, here's, here's the last question I'm going to give you. Cause you're fired up about Peyton Barber. If you could right now sign Peyton Barber or Trunk candidate. No, I'm candidate. Got it. Trunk candidate. No. <laughs> Trunk candidate. Trunk candidate today. He's probably 40 years old. Trunk candidate today. I like I'd Trunk candidate. That. Yeah. I like Trunk candidate back in the Trunk day. candidate. Skip yeah. Hicks. How about him? Really like Skip Hicks. Third round yeah. pick. Played. He had like a good half. That I think that was in like the lost one and seven season. That Trent Green was the quarterback. And yeah, he was good. I thought he was going to start, and then yeah. Stephen Davis took the job. Yeah, and Stephen Davis was also a monster. But I liked Skip Hicks back in the day. Now I take Trunk Candidate. You'd have to go real hard. I would take Ryan Terrain over Trunk Candidate. I would Whoa. take um, Ryan Terrain had a one thousand yard season. Did he hit a thousand? No, I was no. I'm, th- I'm thinking of who was Portis's backup for a while. Number forty six. Bets. I take Liddell Betts. Never really loved Liddell Betts, but I would take Liddell Betts. I would strongly consider Roy Hallou. I was never a Roy Hallou guy, but I would take Roy Hallou over. There's a lot of players I would take. Roy Hallou has the most catches in one game ever for a Redskins. That's a great stat. I forgot about that. I recall the game, but 
Um, John Beck. Ugh. Now I know we I got can't shut remember. out. Yeah, now, now I can't remind. Remember, I can't. I, no, I can't remember the game specifically. Um, yeah, I have to go back really far to see a Redskins running back because I consider like a prime position with you know guys like you know, fucking John Riggins and all the way down. Like to have a Redskins running back that I loathe that much, even like before he's even played a game here. Like this guy is a bum. He is two point eight yards per carry, like clockwork. No more, no less. And I'm like, great. That's the, this, the, this is what we are devoting money to. And I know Ron, Rock Cartwright. Rock Cartwright was, his name was Rock. He's 5'8", like 250 pounds. Like the man was a, and like, you know, the man was a monster. I'm literally, I'm literally just trying to think of the most obscure Redskin running back I can right now. Skip Hicks was probably the most obscure one I could think of. Do you Ryan Turin, what a name. Ryan Turin was one of my favorites. I remember like that 2010, 2011 season where they just signed him and like he had a, a couple of really good games. Um, that that pre RG three season when it was when like we were just throwing shit against the wall and hoping it would stick. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some really terrible ones. Um, the only one I would probably not do that I just popped into my head. You remember Sultan McCullough? Whoa! Remember yeah. back back in the Spurrier days? Yeah. Yeah. God fucking Spurrier. <laughs> that's probably the one where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm now we can draw the line in the sand. Is that's the Mendoza line for him? Um, yeah, my favorite running back that was obscure that never did anything, or he did a lot in my opinion, but didn't get a fair shake was Capri Bibbs. Capri I never Bibbs understood why. I never understood why we just cut him. I was like, he had a touchdown. We were like six and three, pretty good, and then we just cut him because Club J. Oh, was Capri Bibbs a J guy or a Bruce guy? Because that also bears a lot on where he's gonna, how he's gonna end up, or where he's gonna end up. I think I actually don't know. I was going to say he's a J guy, but I don't. It's probably why we let him go. Um, all right. See if there's any major thoughts. We talked a little bit about this. I don't want to spend too much time. I got a mock draft coming out next week that I'll drop on um, in various capacities, but we talked about the top five picks. Um, I think after the Redskins draft chase young, um, I'm really, really looking forward to what Gettleman does. I think what Gettleman does will dictate a lot of picks after that because if, if Gettleman does take an offensive tackle, and I firmly believe I would put 70 to 80% odds that he's going to do so, um, my Twitter stream will be just an endless stream of cackling once he does so. Um, that means that Isaiah Simmons then falls. That means probably someone like Derek Brown from Auburn will then fall slightly later. Um, I think that has some bearing on where the wide bearings on where the wide receivers go, where the rest of the offensive tackles go, because I feel like that span between eight, who is um, Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, through 11, who I believe is the Jets, there's going to be a real hodgepodge of guys of tackles who are going to be taken in that span. Um, and that'll be really interesting to see. And interestingly enough, everything I'm reading, and I don't want to spoil too much of my mock, but even after Carolina, excuse me, Carolina, after Arizona absolutely swindled Houston to get DeAndre Hopkins, I think Arizona's going to take another receiver, which I think would be fun as hell. There's a rumor going around that the Texans are floating Kenny Stills to us. To us? Mm-hmm. I would do that. I would be, I'd be okay. I'd be cool with it, yeah. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is one of those guys who's just never in the right position. He's a... a long uh, deep threat nothing you know nothing more than that but i think i would take it because he's better than pretty much everything. yes that sounds and the dolphins right. took him dolphins took him he's bounced around a couple times or maybe just one time as part of the tunsil trade 
Yeah. Um, last thing, last thing I'll say, I got to go shout out to the bar, the blackguard, uh, in Adams Morgan in DC. It's the best place in DC to watch a Redskins game. Probably the best place to watch a DC sporting event period. It's a dive bar. It's kind of a dump and it's incredible. And they host like Riggins is there all the time to host stuff. Anyway, they just follow us on Twitter. So thank you, blackguard. Shout out to the Blackguard, especially if you got John Reagan's coming there all the time. That's the place. Once we're stopped living in LeBron, I might have to go check out. All right. I won't, oh, hold, awesome. I won't hold PR any longer. Um, thank you for everyone who's made it this far. As always, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe to us on iTunes, and follow us on YouTube or subscribe to us, whatever the verb is on YouTube. Um, make sure everyone stays safe. Follow that quarantine wherever you're living. Don't try to you know flirt with the Rona because you're just asking for it. Um, so best of health to everyone you and your families and loved ones and all that fun stuff. But until then, we'll talk to you later. And hopefully by this time next week, Chase Young is a member of the Redskins. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.